From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. A familiar voice from Kokomo, Indiana, US of A. Hell yes, Mr. Rob Roop. Thank you very much. And thank you for dialing me up, tuning me in, downloading the damn thing. It's me, it's Mike. This is Mike Davidson lives. Uh, Rob, a co-worker of mine from uh, Kokomo, and a big shout-out to the Kokomo Wildcats. Fell short last night, according to this, as always, Sunday. Uh, fell short Saturday night uh, down the capital city of Indianapolis to the Ben Davis Giants basketball Class 4A state championship. But uh, Wildcats made a hell of a run. Uh, kudos to you. I think the last time they were down in the championship was a 2011, that's when I was living and working down in Kokomo, and I think Chris Lowry called the action on that one as well, but the Wildcats fell short then uh, to Bloomington South. Uh, the, the Kokomo Wildcats did win state championship before class stuff back in 1961, still talked about in that uh, city, but uh, that community, very proud of those Wildcats and uh, some of those key components coming back next year we'll see what happens there uh very proud of my daughters today uh we went out and about well this this kind of flummoxes me now that i'm thinking about it because when i I had to do some errands this afternoon drop a few things off here and there and then we went to barnes and noble so i can go buy books and the girls were acting up fighting in there and i had to get on them for acting up then we go to the playground and then they're angelic. Like, there was, they, they were playing with a group of kids. They were on the seesaw. And this one girl wanted to get on. And some little boy said, no, you're ruining things. Get away. And this girl ran off upset. And Lana, my oldest, jumped this kid's shit. I mean, she was more polite about it than I was describing it. But she admonished this young dude, and then she went over, put her arm around this girl, and they started talking, and they went and played for like 15, 20 minutes. And then Hazel was giving this kid uh, the riot act. And I was just, I was really proud of Lana and Hazel. And I was and I was asking Lana, I didn't get involved in any of this. I just sat back and watched it. I was just asking Lana what happened, she told me. And on the ride back, Hazel's like, yeah, boys is stupid. I hate boys. Boys are trash. Which made me feel really good. Thank you, Hazel. And I'm sure her brother would feel better, too, about if uh, he was old enough to comprehend what's going on. But very proud of uh, Lana and Hazy. Um, I've got our taxes done. We're getting some cash back. My wife took care of that earlier this week. She told me this weird-ass story, though. And it's kind of a heartbreaking story because she was making small talk with the tax preparer. And she said that uh, one of her clients... 90-year-old gentleman who used to be a dentist, had his own practice and everything. And uh, he was trying to keep the business in the family name and all that. And his grandson became a dentist. So he's like, all right, I want to sell you the business for a quarter of what it's worth. So this, uh, this young man, getting a hell of a bargain, right, buys it, 25% of what this place is worth, and the grandson turns around and fires his grandfather, which is just some cold-blooded stuff right there. Um, it, it, it always it always sucks when it's family that kind of uh, stabs you and twists the knife a little bit. 
Um, but I, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, the, the talk about nepotism babies in Hollywood, because that's been going on for, like, ever. Um, but this, I mean, it's not just in Hollywood. It could be anywhere. It could be in a big business. It could be in a small business like this. Like, this grandfather was trying to keep the family name on this dentistry, help his grandson out, and his grandson turned around and just, you know, 86 him like he was nothing. I mean, Lord Almighty, feel bad for the dude. Uh, I know that's. I'm hoping it's not uh, my dentist because I do have to go to the dentist uh, first thing Monday morning here. Okay, so the brackets are set for the final four. I did catch uh, Miami come back and beat Texas. That was a very good game at the end for the Hurricanes. So congrats to them. But uh, Miami, I believe, will be taking on UConn Saturday, San Diego State, and Florida Athletic, who uh, everybody had going to the final four, right? Uh, they'll be the first game Saturday evening, and then, like I said, Miami and UConn following. Uh, but just to give you uh, an idea of how crazy March Madness has been this past year, um, uh, my friend Rob Haywood, fraternity brother, yeah, he sent me a, a stat. For, out of 20 million brackets, and I don't know if this is just for ESPN or uh, a gross estimate overall, out of 20 million brackets, only point. Zero four percent had either San Diego State or Florida Athletic going to the Final Four, and one of these two teams will be in the championship game. Point zero four percent. I did the math on this for you. That's roughly eight thousand brackets out of twenty million. It's, uh, it's insane, and you know that the people that picked uh, either one of them were either uh, school alumni that were very overzealous, or uh, that co-worker of yours that doesn't give a crap about basketball. I'll just pick up uh, because the uniforms are pretty, and they're probably in a better position to win the office pool than you are. Um, and, that, and that's a big reason why I don't do um, college brackets anymore or fantasy football, because they... It doesn't make it more fun for me. It just adds to the stress of uh, just sitting back and watching. I mean, it's it's bad enough when you have a team that you're invested in, and I have my teams that I'm invested in. Uh, but to be invested in other teams that you don't care about generally, just because you can make a buck off of it, it's not fun to me. Not fun at all. And I gotta say, uh, watching The Mandalorian, not fun. It, it, this show for the first two seasons was great. It was simple, but it was great. Loved it. Then uh, the Book of Boba Fett screwed it up, and by the Book of Boba Fett, I mean Kathleen Kennedy. And uh, this past season has been boring, and it's been uh, more or less focused on uh, Bo-Katan, the female character, who is not the lead actor in this show. Uh, in the uh, episode previous, you had two other actors, uh, two other characters you didn't care about uh, that were talking forever and ever, and this episode was just kind of a standard practice. Uh, okay, monster kidnaps kid. We go save the kid. But there was a flashback scene that I liked in this episode. Ahmed Best, uh, who portrayed Jar Jar Banks back in the prequel days. And, and before I get too off to a topic here, everybody bitches about George Lucas never having should have ever sold to Disney. Kind of agree, but let's not pretend that uh, George Lucas was doing great things with the prequels either. I mean, Jar Jar Binks was his idea, and Ahmed Best was the voice of Jar Jar, and uh, caught so much shit from everybody because it's a terrible character, and uh, I guess he got all sorts of threats and insults and 
for a while he's even suicidal. Well, he does appear in The Mandalorian in a flashback scene as a Jedi, and I think he knocks it out of the park uh, for what the show is. And and uh, it's a nice little redemption there for the actor. I mean, I don't blame anybody for jumping into a role trying to make a name for themselves, um, especially when uh, they are not responsible for the writing of the character, the creating of the character. They're just trying to make the character work, and sometimes you are just limited by the material you're given. So it was nice to see that, but overall, just it, it, it the show came out Wednesday, and I just sat down and watched it Sunday afternoon, and it just it really didn't move the needle for me. It's just it's disappointing that uh, one thing I thought they were finally going to get right in the Disney era of Star Wars, they just ain't, they just ain't getting it right. Um, still haven't watched. <laughs> Lucky Hank yet, and I've got two episodes recorded, banked, ready to go. Probably do that Monday night. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll watch those episodes Monday night and Tuesday night, and then Wednesday give you a, a Lucky Hank review. And I'm dragging my feet on that. Uh, by the way, congrats to Keanu uh, Reeves and everybody involved in the John Wick franchise. John Wick 4 making some uh, big-ass money this past weekend, open up at just a little under $74 million, which is actually higher than the projections were. I mean, they, they were projecting about $70 million, and it, I guess it's okay to be wrong in this uh, in this instance, right? I mean, this is a big honking action franchise uh, with a very likable star in Hollywood. Uh, you know, he's 58 years old, and he's uh, still killing it, so to speak at the box office so congratulations to them but it just it, it you know the superhero fatigue is one thing but if they made superhero movies that didn't suck i think people would still go watch them because i mean action movies have been around forever with you know tough kill them all good guys bad guys and there's a fatigue in that genre or westerns or whatever it's it's all about writing and Characters, and if you give a damn about any of this stuff, and John Wick Four looks like it's just got that right, and uh, you know James Cameron. I'm not a big fan of his big blue Smurf movies, but he has found an IP. He's created something with Avatar, and he's making money. And Tom Cruise, I mean, he's like, okay, I don't want any CGI in this new Top Gun movie. We're gonna make it as, a, I mean, and there's some CGI in that movie, but I mean, I want to make it as close to an action film as I can, and people loved it. It's all about finding the damn audience. And a lot of these studios still making excuses, trying to in interject politics. Oh, it's streaming. Oh, it's COVID. You know, COVID's over. The theaters are open. Uh, you're not making dick with streaming. You're going to make your money up front with the theaters. Put the movie out in the theaters first, then worry about streaming later, months later. Streaming should not be your core focus if you're a movie studio. But uh, Keanu Reeves, hats off to you, dude. Uh, just uh, pretty cool. I think. I, is it safe to say that the John Wick franchise is uh, bigger than the Matrix franchise? I mean, if you were to go off of Matrix Four versus John Wick Four, you'd have to say, well, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, quick update on the Little Mermaid, because um, uh, the Haley Berry uh, lady, the gal that's playing Ariel in the upcoming live action adaptation which will come out in may she said that uh, we decided to make it more than about uh, ariel leaving the water for eric you know it, it's not going to be just this girl meets boy type of thing like all fairy tales in uh, uh disney's past 
And of course, some fans are getting a little upset about that. And, and before we get too much into it, I want to say this: Little Mermaid live action one, it will probably win opening weekend when it comes out. Although it'll probably do it to lesser expectations, like it will not meet projections, and it'll have a sharp drop off second weekend just because it's Disney. People will go see it, and they're like, "Okay, it's not as good as the original." That's my two cents, but. Excuse me, enjoying some coffee here. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, I've noticed online is like there are some people that will call you old-fashioned for preferring the animated version of The Little Mermaid. But it's a family movie, right? Um, and uh, the animated one holds a, a, a special place in a lot of people's hearts, especially young girls who grew up and related to Ariel. And it... It was interesting to see some of the comments online because I think some fans had a better idea of what The Little Mermaid was than this actress and the uh, studio execs uh, behind it. And I actually screenshotted a few of them. I forget which um, this is board this was. Uh, Adrian said uh, in response to uh, Miss Barry's comments, uh, it was never about Eric. Ariel always jumped about going above water. This is a lie and makes me not want to watch this movie. She rescued Eric, by the way. She did. She rescued him from a wrecked ship. And they both fell in love at first sight. She saved him, sacrifices to be with him. In the end, he risks his life to save her. Healthy love. I agree, Adrian. Uh, Deandra. Uh, she uh, had a very interesting comment on this here. He wasn't the reason she wanted to be human, though. She literally sang a whole song about it even before she met him. She wanted to know more about humans, about life out of the water. She wanted to have legs to dance, to walk down the street, etc. It was her father who really pushed her over the edge by destroying all of her findings and essentially crushing her dreams that she went to the extreme and went to Ursula to be a human and to be with Eric. But Eric wasn't the sole reason why she wanted to be up there. She was already obsessed with life above the water. Yeah. That's uh, some very keen points that uh, these fans who grew up watching The Little Mermaid have about the movie. And this young actress doesn't understand it. And again, it's just, they're going to insert some things in here to make it seem like uh, it'll appeal to a modern audience that can't be bothered to go see it. And it seems like the people that watched this growing up have a more well-rounded idea of who Ariel is, who Eric is, and uh, respect both characters, which is more than you can say about the uh, the creators of some of these uh, properties here, or, or some of the uh, people that are trying to recreate the properties here. little nutty. All right. Victoria Alonso is out at Marvel, out at Disney, um, and, and the reason officially is because she involved herself in a project that uh, uh, puts her in violation of her non-compete uh, which you know you have to sign with a major movie studio you can't be vested in um, outside you can't be vested in outside parties that you compete with basically and Victoria Alonso she was a producer on this uh, I think this Amazon movie uh, Argentina 1985 which has something to do with dictatorship down in Argentina and uh, it was just the talk of uh, all the award movie snobs and actually was nominated for an Oscar. And she was just let go this past week. And that's the reason why Disney 
is saying that she was fired. Of course, her and her lawyers are saying, well, it's because I'm Latina, I'm gay. And, of course, none of it has to do with anything about Marvel effing sucking right now. No, but that's the reason for both. Um, it, and it's funny that Disney let her go because of Argentina 1985, because this this movie was nominated for Oscars months ago. The award show was just about a week and a half ago, or two weeks, I think now, two weeks ago. Um, and uh, the movie was released, uh, I think it, it, it uh, dropped in Venice back in September, if I'm not mistaken. And then, like, uh, or maybe sooner than that, and then, like, uh, stateside, it was available on Amazon in October. And before all that, I mean, you have to make the damn movie, right? You have to, you know, get involved with the creative process. So uh, this is probably something at least a year and a half, two years that she was involved in. And I have a hard time believing that Disney did not know that Victoria Alonso was uh, uh, involved in this project. And I think they were all right with it for a time with Marvel making money or seeming like it was indestructible but of course after Endgame eh, everything's kind of falling apart I think it's like one of those things where if you're an employee and you're really good at what you do but you do things like show up late constantly your boss lets it slide oh because you do good work you do good work but once things start to hit the fan and they're looking for a scapegoat well you know uh, Bill's always late let's fire him I think that's what happened with Victoria Alonso. Because uh, with Marvel, she was involved with the uh, special effects of some of these movies. And if you've seen um, any of the Disney Plus shows, like how badly the uh, uh, She-Hulk was uh, rendered, or some of the uh, bad special effects in Thor Love and Thunder, you know, it's um, it's pretty easy to see why she was let go. And of course, as kind of a scapegoat, so uh, Kevin Feige can keep a job right now. So they're having trouble there, and now they're having trouble with Jonathan Majors because over the weekend he was um, arrested in New York City for assault, allegedly um, strangling and hitting his uh, girlfriend. Uh, and uh, her, his lawyers are saying that he's innocent. Of course, when you're a lawyer for somebody, you have to say they're innocent, and they say there is some evidence that can clear him. So, okay, we'll see how that shakes out. But definitely not a good look for... Um, him or the studio because he's he's going to be their main bad next few years uh, Kang the Conqueror and you know he's basically you know the the guy that's going to fill the void with uh, Thanos and and uh, you know I, I, I feel it, it's kind of unfortunate you kind of hope that this dude is not involved in that because he's one of those guys who stars on the rise he was in uh, the latest Ant-Man, which wasn't all that great, but I thought he was great in his performance of Kang, and then he was in Creed Three, and uh, just recently, if you've been watching college basketball, you might have noticed Jonathan Majors as the voice in the uh, face of the U.S. Army commercials, which now they've had to pull. <laughs> of course, they waited about a day before that happened, because I saw the story, and then I was watching the games uh, this past week, and I would look up and go, oh, that's Jonathan Majors advertising for the U.S. Army. Okay. Money well spent. I wonder. Uh, I wonder where they get the money for uh, those those commercials. Um, I'm hoping it's not true. I, I'm really hoping it's not true. Uh, but if it is, holy crap! Uh, Marvel's in trouble. Disney's in trouble. More so. Okay. Uh, is Kanye West in trouble anymore? And it's a legitimate question because 
uh, as you know, he's legitimately insane. I mean, he's the, he's probably one of the only people I can think of, the only person I can think of, that actually made Alex Jones squeamish with some of his claims. I mean, Alex freaking Jones for crying out loud, right? You know, the uh, the I like Hitler comment and everything. Well, recently, uh, I guess he's been cured of his anti-Semitism, which I guess good for now. But you know him, he's got the mindset of a goldfish. He's thinking one thing one minute and the next thing he's at the other side of the tank trying to, you know, hump it. Um, but he put on Instagram how, like, he loves Jewish people now because he recently watched a movie that warmed his heart and made him understand that anti-Semitism is wrong and, you know, being discriminatory against somebody's race or religion or whatever is wrong, which, okay, good, good. Now, wasn't Schindler's List, mind you, and it wasn't the Ten Commandments, and it wasn't Fiddler on the Roof. It was 21 Jump Street starring Jonah Hill, who is Jewish, but it's a shitty movie. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that's the movie that changed Kanye's mind about uh, being anti-Semitic. Um, who knows what he'll be thinking next time he watches something like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, or... Uh, <laughs> God. That, that was the movie that cured him of his anti-Semitism, for crying out loud. You know, it, it would have been all right if, uh, if a Mel Brooks movie cured him of that thinking because Mel Brooks is a funny MF but no it was 21 Jump Street uh, really bad I just I can't even win anymore with Kanye man stop it alright uh, this is going to sound like box stores gone wild big ticket stores gone wild department stores gone wild here I got one here in my home state of Indiana and I got one out in California uh, the one here in Indiana involves uh, a Walmart in Lawrence, Lawrence, Indiana, which is uh, just a, it's a small town inside of Indianapolis, um, but it's its own little burg. It's on the east side of Indy, northeast side, and uh, the Walmart there recently lost its food license, its food, and I'm not talking about concession stand license. I'm talking about its ability to sell food license, like grocery license. Um, meat, cheese, veggies, you name it. Uh, their fridges and freezers are roped off. And it's because of a problem with rodent droppings. Think about how big Walmarts are nowadays. Uh, you know, they're, they're all super centers, right? All super centers. They're all big stores. And you would think that they would have everything down to a science when it comes to being efficient in terms of keeping up with health inspectors and, um, and and keeping the damn store open because I mean it's the biggest department store in the country it is arguably the biggest grocery store in the country and here you have guys and gals who can't keep it clean enough to keep rodent feces off of it and this is in Indianapolis it's a big Lawrence I mean it's a big populated area and so they can't sell groceries until they get their act together. And, uh, you know, Walmart has kind of alluded to the fact that uh, there are going to be some stores that they have to shut down. And, you know, they, I made mention about how they had to shut it down in uh, uh, liberal utopia Portland. 
And now, you know, you got, you got to start looking into cities that need grocery stores and department stores. And you got to weigh the cost. I mean, Walmart's losing money on its store managers and employees not being competent enough to keep it open. And customers are going to go elsewhere. And if memory serves me right about this area of Indy, because I've been by that Walmart. I've been in that Walmart before, back when it opened. And it was a nice, clean store. Uh, there's a Kroger just across the street. So, you know, it's uh, it's an opportunity for somebody to clean up here. All right, so we go from Indiana to California, um, and this is a town of Hayward just outside of San Francisco, and, of course, that's a great place for realtors. Uh, but an employee, a uh, former employee, now I, I don't think this person works at Home Depot anymore, but arrested after uh, the loss prevention of the store noticed about $300,000 worth of merchandise missing, and they suspected this dude. $300,000, and I'm not sure uh, if this was, guy was stealing this incrementally or if he was just, he one day walked off with all this crap. Uh, but they uh, they went to his home with a warrant and they found about $80,000 worth of stolen inventory, like hand drills and the like, like all these power tools. So loss prevention is not going to get all that stuff back. It's somewhere out in the black market in California. And this dude also had $90,000 uh, on hand. So he, he sold a bunch of that crap at a discounted price. And, yeah, uh, that's that's California right now. It's, it's hard to do business. It's hard to do business in California or in Indiana if you can't trust your employees. And that, to me, is it's, it's becoming a big red flag like employers are struggling to find competent employees that it's still an ongoing thing and so you settle for anybody and like in indianapolis or just outside of san francisco it's the same problem basically either you have a store that's falling apart or you have stuff going out the door and they don't do anything until it's too late but makes you feel good about society right Okay, uh, Twitter, starting April 1st. And by the way, you got a couple stories relating to April 1st here. But uh, April 1st, no fooling day on Twitter. Uh, if you have a verified account, you better be paying that 8 bucks a month or 11 bucks a month for the uh, premium verified or whatever. If you get a blue check mark, Elon wants his check. Uh, otherwise, you won't be verified. It's still free to use Twitter. It's still free to have the account and everything. But uh, you got to have a check mark. And uh, I... It was funny when he brought this up earlier this past year because you had all these journalists and these uh, talking heads and these uh, and these celebrities just pissing and moaning about, oh, well, anybody can be a blue check mark now. And, of course, well, anybody can be a blue check mark now. Uh, you know, all these experts are not going to be trusted now. Well, nobody trusts them anyway. You know, oh, i got to pay money to be verified. Well, chances are, especially if you're a journalist, you're going to have that... Uh, basically comped you're going to put that into your expense report and have your employer pay for your precious blue check mark because it's part of the job uh but uh yeah it looks like that's going according to plan now and uh so far so good twitter has not fallen into the ocean yet it's still entertaining as hell to watch okay a couple things here and i said one more april first story blockbuster video and I'm not talking about the last one in Bend, Oregon, which is still open, which is good. 
I'm talking about Blockbuster Video. Its website is now up again. And uh, it looks like they're uh, planning something April 1st. Yeah, don't get your hopes up, though. I, you know, that I was thinking about this, though. It, it, it was a big social experience. It was a nice thing to do to get out of the house back in my teens and my 20s and go to Blockbuster and rent movies. And because it was like, I'm committed to this. I am going to the store. I am picking up this movie. I am paying money for it. I am going to watch it here in the next two or three days. If not, I have to pay extra, or I'm just going to return it without watching it. You know, I've, I've got <laughs> Lucky Hank, as I said, DVR'd and ready for me to watch downstairs. Haven't done it yet. And it just sits there. The Mandalorian, the same thing. Of course, now, I'm if, if I was watching Mandalorian on a... DVD that I got from Blockbuster, I might just return the thing and just give up. But I mean, when you you were committed, you had to be committed if you rented from Blockbuster or any place like that. Uh, maybe we need more of that. Maybe we really need to get away from streaming. That uh, chance that will happen. But Blockbuster, air quote, returning April first. We'll see how this uh, goes. And by the way, April first is Saturday. That's a hell of a day to be launching something business-related, right? We'll see. All right, and speaking of uh, Bob Odenkirk properties and streaming, uh, the final season of Better Call Saul, which was amazing and great, will be on Netflix April 18th. So if you have not watched Better Call Saul at all and you got Netflix, if you... if it's a great show. It's not just a you know a good sequel. It's a great show on its own right. But if you're one of those guys that love Breaking Bad, but eh, you can't get into Better Call Saul, give Better Call Saul a chance because it's a great prequel and sequel. And Bob Odenkirk and everybody just knocks it out of the park. It is good writing and uh, love watching that show. All right, with that all said and done, I'm done. Till next time, stay fresh. Cheese me. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.